Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Anything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Fran Duffy. That's right of the week, and we're diving further into the big Monday night matchup today as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 357. At the top of today's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with my buddy Ben Fennell, where we talk about our big takeaways from the film and the Eagles' loss to the 49ers in Week 2 before going deeper into Monday's NFC East matchup between the Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys on Monday Night Football. After Chalk Talk, we're going to transition to scouting report, where Ben and I are going to focus on on a player who some analysts think could be one of the best defensive prospects in the entire league just through two games in the NFL. That's Dallas linebacker Micah Parsons. What is he going to bring to the field in this matchup on Monday? We're going to break it down in that segment. Then to close out the show in faux focus, I catch up with a guy who knows this Cowboys team as well as anybody. That's Dave Hellman from DallasCowboys.com. I wanted to catch up with Dave to get his viewpoint of this matchup, and he provides outstanding analysis of that team. I'm excited for you all to get his perspective. Before we get there, just a little bit of housekeeping as always. Make sure you jump on to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. If you've got a question about this team, Now's the time. Jump on. Leave us the question in the comment box. We will answer it in an upcoming show. And again, that's the best way to throw us your support as we go into week three of the NFL season. And also, make sure you go check out the Journey to the Draft podcast. Myself, Dane Brugler, Ben Fennell, Ross Tucker, Eric Galco, a weekly rotation of guests as well. We had Eagles Director of Player Personnel Ian Cunningham on the show earlier this week to talk about how he scouts and evaluates offensive tackles and uh, his evolution in terms of how he projects those players to the league. It was an outstanding conversation. Make sure you go check that out. Look, the NFL draft is going to be huge for this Eagles team next year. So the best way to get ahead and know who all of the top prospects are in this class Jump on and subscribe to the Journey to the Draft podcast. We are breaking it all down, all the matchups for the upcoming week, recapping the risers and fallers from the week before. As always, make sure twice weekly over on the Journey to the Draft podcast, make sure you go and hit that subscribe button. That said, let's get this show rolling here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. I'm excited to start things off with Ben Fennell in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, time to start this thing off as we welcome in Ben Fennell to talk through uh, Eagles 49ers first. Ben, we're a couple days removed uh, from watching the film on Monday morning. Prevailing thoughts uh, coming out of the game? You know, it wasn't nearly as bad as it seemed on Sunday. You know, it was frustrating watching the game, and there were some, obviously, uh, frustrations on both sides of the ball and, you know, obviously didn't win the game, but it ended up being a six-point loss. And when you watch back the tape, sometimes it – feels worse and sometimes it doesn't and you know the Eagles just missed on a bunch of opportunities on both sides of the ball you know for lack of better words and anytime you watch that back on the tape and you just think if only we did this or that it was a us thing not a them thing anytime you kind of have that takeaway you feel pretty good and to lose by six points but for to a you know for all intents and purposes a Super Bowl contending team and roster and coaching staff you know, I was I was okay with it, and I'm I'm more than content walking away from week two, one and one. Yeah, and I think walking away, honestly, is a couple days removed too. I feel just like 
and the more we like talk through this defense and think about this defense and write about them and, and all that, well, we talked about it uh, going into Eagles game plan and producing it. Like I'm really excited about this defensive scheme, the philosophy, the personnel, the way these guys are used. Uh, I know, you know, it's funny, like um, posting a couple of clips on Twitter, right. Of the game, you know, of the defense and highlighting guys like Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox. A lot of people respond like, Oh, well, you know, these guys can't stop a toss play. They can't stop a toss play. It's like, we need like some context here. Like, remember that like, if you can't stop everything in the NFL, there's no fix all to say, we're going to stop every single play, every single concept. It's about understanding what are you allowing to happen? What are you giving up? And what are you okay with allowing you? Obviously the defense wants to go three and out on every drive. You don't want explosives. You don't, it's a big play league. It's about how many times have I heard you say that uh, on this podcast and off this podcast, it's a big play league. It's about creating them and it's about stopping them. And this Eagles defense right now, one of my favorite stats that you pulled uh, on Monday or Tuesday was that they've only had three passes of 15 plus yards attempted against them in two games. Like, in today's in 2021, that is that's wild. That blows my mind uh, that that's the number. And part of that is the the style of offense they were going against. But I think that at the end of the day, it still speaks to the way that this defense wants to be able to play top down. We're not giving you anything vertically down the field. That is their goal. Yeah, it's not that they're you know not allowing a lot of big plays. Teams aren't even attempting those shot plays down the field. So. You know, it's all give and take, and every scheme, both offense and defense, has pros and cons, has gives and takes. So, you know, Eagles playing more reduced front, covering up guards and centers with that odd front, it's tough to run up the middle. What's the take on that? You're giving up a little bit more vulnerability in the into the alleys and on perimeter runs, and maybe that's where some of that toss action and perimeter action has kind of, uh, you know, maybe leaked a little bit. Or even week one against the Falcons, they were so stout on the front side. Where did all the big run chunks come, Fran? On cutbacks. That's a pro and con thing, too. You're playing so stout and filling the runs on the front side. You also have to be disciplined on the backside. It's hard to play defense in the NFL. You know, these offenses work all week to attack those weaknesses. So I like the formula that Jonathan Gannon deploys. You're preventing big plays, but it's boring. You're not blitzing a lot. You're not playing a lot of man coverage. You're trying to stop the run. And trying to be, you know, opportunistic when the opportunities and the ball bounces your way. And maybe that's the thing we saw on the tape to say, uh, uh, if only Anthony Harris grabbed that pick. Or if, you know, Steven Nelson picked off that one that was thrown a little inside. Or maybe they jumped on that one fumble that was on the ground. And the other thing is just the discipline, the penalties, the dumb penalties. When you watch the tape, Fran, those are things we control. And I love that formula in today's NFL and even today's college and high school. These offenses are explosive, explosive, and they're bending the rules, and it's really tough to play defense. So what do you want to do? Let's try to limit the big plays and force you to go 10, 12 plays and hope you make the mistakes before we do. And I think that that's the way, like, for, for the listeners, for the fans, it's like imagine you're the other team and you're in your offense, you can't get anything going down the field, and it's just like you have to dink and dunk. And you hear those complaints from teams all around the NFL every week. It's like, oh, you know, everything is just – slow and it's hard we have to go you know chip away three yards four yards six yards there's nothing down the field that's what this defense this defense is designed to force that and to make you say you know what? we are going to uh you're you're gonna have to drive the field on us those are the only play drives they're gonna give up of course this team at some point and they're gonna be tested you know they're going up against an explosive dallas offense this week you've got you know tampa bay and kansas city over the next month 
there are going to be some big plays this defense is going to give up. That's that's the nature of the game. That's the nature of the sport. But I, I love that that's the philosophy. That's the mindset. And I know every fan just loves, uh, I want the press coverage. I want them up in the receiver's faces. I want man-to-man. Well, five years ago, the Legion of Boom took over the NFL. I got news for you. That was a zone-based defense, a lot of cover three, not a lot of press coverage. Who are the best defenses today? Buffalo, Tampa, Indy. I mean, Green Bay, whether it was Pettin or Joe Barry, the Rams, now the Chargers with, you know, Brandon Staley going over there. Zone, 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 zone. Everyone's playing zone these days. So just because you give up a catch for six yards on third and seven or, you know, a six yarder on third and five and you just want everything to change, stick with the formula and the philosophy. Don't just be a a creature of the moment. And that's what you see on social media is just in the moment. This happened. Why didn't we do that? Or that happened. Why didn't we do this? That's not how it works. You have to evaluate the whole body of work and accept your philosophy and the pros and cons of your philosophy. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's one of those like process over results things. Like at some point, you know, it's, it's, it's like when you go for a lot of fourth downs, there are going to be individual scenarios where you don't, you don't get it on fourth down. And it's like, well, we know that if we do this enough, that overall the, pro- the the results are going to be positive, but they're not going to be positive every time. And, and right. I think it's a, a similar way to kind of look at this defensive philosophy. You're not going to prevent every single big play, but overall we're going to work to stop as many big plays uh, as possible. But I got uh, that sentiment real clean. I almost want that written in like a uh, constitution font so I can put it up on the wall. Oh, you've got you've got some time after the uh, after the show. Maybe, I do. Uh, Let me get working in Photoshop. Might <laughs> be some t-shirts coming later. So th- that said, though. It's rare, Ben, that we start the show off on, on Eagles game plan talking Eagles defense because, you know, fantasy football, it's offense. Everybody loves, you know, talking about the quarterback and everything. We had to start the show talking about this defense because it's been such a big topic of conversation between you and I. And I think when you talk about the defense and who's impressing and who's standing out, I mean, it's tough not to talk about Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox in this defensive front. Brandon Brooks, obviously a huge, or Brandon Graham, rather, a huge loss to that defensive front, um, but really, really impressed, obviously, with this defensive tackle duo and a big matchup it sets up to be uh, here this week against Zach Martin, uh, one of the best in the league, regardless of position up front along the offensive line, and maybe some winnable matchups at center uh, with Tyler Biedish and at left guard with Connor Williams. Yeah, I'm really excited for this matchup in the trenches, and feels a little broken record-ish from us because we said it this week, said it last week, seemingly said it every day every day in training camp. The strength of this team is on the trenches, particularly the defensive line. Fletcher Cox is an animal. Uh, You know, Javon Hargrave is having excellent practices, you know, the joint practices. He just couldn't touch opposing quarterbacks. He couldn't touch our own quarterbacks. It was just always that, is he as dominant as it looks here, Fran? Because he is winning so often and just having to stop because he can't hit the guy in the red shirt in practice. Now you're starting to see he can hit some opponents, and he is literally the most dominant interior defensive tackle in the league right now, right up there with Aaron Donald and all the other who's who's names. So whether it's PFF grades, pressures, run stuffs, he's filling it up. Now the caveat to that, Zach Martin came back last week for the Cowboys, had the COVID scare in week one, but they don't have two Zach Martins. So we love our battle with him and Fletcher Cox. I don't know who's going to block Javon Hargrave. So I'm thinking they're going to try to survive one-on-one with Zach Martin, and Javon Hargrave is going to see some double teams. And 
let's let's see uh, who can capitalize. And I guess that's the big thing is that like it's really hard. I shouldn't even say really hard. You can't double team two defensive tackles on every pass play, or really on any pass play. You can decide you want to do a full slide along the offensive line, but now you're leaving a, a running back or a tight end one on one with a defensive end. You're not going to do that on 90% of pass plays, right? So uh, I think when you look at what this defensive front does and thinking about how Dallas approaches it, my guess it'll be, hey, we're going to leave Zach Martin one-on-one, and then we're going to slide the opposite way. That would be my guess, but we'll see. Uh, I'm excited to watch that for Monday night. Yeah, uh, real sorry. quick, Fran, before we turn this uh, over to the other side of the ball, these are two offenses that have shown complete different identities from week one to week two. I mean, Dallas week point. one, yeah. they, Dallas week one, it was Dak Prescott and Tom Brady each throwing 50 plus times. Neither team was running the ball. Dallas's run rate in the week one, lowest in the NFL. Week two against the Chargers, all of a sudden they start pounding the ball. Fourth highest run rate in week two. Turn it over to the Eagles offense. Week one, Jalen Hurts getting it out quick. You know, uh, yards after catch, screen game. The lowest depth of target, which was okay because they capitalized. They won the game. It looked good. Week two, the highest depth in target, throwing the ball down the field left and right. So two offenses with much different identities from week to week. And I just think it's really exciting and cat and mouse, chess match, whatever cliche term. I'm just trying to figure out which one is who and what are you going to come out with in week uh, week three here? Yeah, I think it's a really good point. And, you know, that we talked about just the aggressive nature earlier this week on the show uh, with Greg but on Eagles game plan as well. It's just clearly the Eagles offensively felt like these were, we have, look, we have the speed to win some of these matchups on the perimeter. And uh, you know, in week one, San Francisco came out, they played a ton of cover three where you're going to get those it's zone zone coverage, but you're still uh, essentially getting one-on-one matchups on the perimeter. And then this week, they came out and they changed it up a little bit. They played a little bit more quarters. They played a little bit more man-to-man San Francisco, but just still were not able to win enough of those matchups and for a number of different reasons, right? Maybe the ball comes out late. Maybe the protection doesn't hold up well. A receiver steps out of bounds on what would have been a touchdown, right? So you have all of these different reasons why some of these plays didn't hit. If one or two of them do hit, that changes the dynamic of the game midstream. And I think that that uh, was certainly, you know, one of the big fallouts from this game for certain. I mean, they were literally at two inches away from having a 91-yard catch on the shot play and having a 40-yard touchdown to Jalen Rieger on a shot play. You have to take those risks to get you know the rewards. They're low-percentage throws, but they're high-yield results if you get them. So just like we're talking about people aren't challenging the Eagles down the field, well, they, you know the Eagles took their shots, and they capitalized on some, and some they were just an inch or two away. And you know, I don't love that style. I want more of the boring, take the underneath, let's keep things moving, as opposed to the huge explosive over-the-top plays. But that's what the Niners presented. They played a lot of single high, one-on-ones on the outside. There are coaches that love quarterbacks giving guys chances. And a lot of the big plays around the NFL are quarterbacks just cutting it loose and giving guy a chance. You never can make a play if you don't give them a chance. So I think you see a lot of quarterbacks just saying, I like my guy in that scenario, go make a play. I think the Eagles really like the speed on the outside and the matchups. And Jalen Hurts cut it loose and gave his guys chances to make plays. Uh, Let's take a look at this from a a Dallas standpoint. We're going to do that a little bit later with Dave Hellman as well. But uh, you talked about how the identity of that offense changed from week one to week two. And I do think, and we've talked about this in the past, about how 
when you're an offense, when you're a defense, you know, you're trying to do what, what you can every week to win that game. You know, so you, if you have an identity, obviously you're going to base off of that. But I think that ultimately when you go into a game, when you go into a matchup, you want to have as many tools in your toolbox to be able to win that game, right? So if that means, hey, today's going to be a slugfest, we're going to run the ball you know, 38 times and, and try and rush for 200, we're going to win that way, great. Hey, we're going to drop back 48 times the next week and we're going to try and win that way. Also, that's right. If you're able to do that, that's big time. And Dallas has shown, look, they were they were very much in that game week one against Tampa. And then last week they get a, a tough win on the road against the upstart Chargers team as well. Um, I think that kind of speaks to their versatility from an offensive attack standpoint. I think both teams went a little hard with the self-scouting between week one to week two, to be perfectly honest with you. And I think the week one performances are much more of the true identity of each of these offenses. Because in 2020, and what I know from Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore, it's a pass-heavy offense. It's an 11-personnel-heavy offense. They like the West Coast style of getting the quarterback uh, to have pre-snap answers. Let's get short completions. You want to have some pre-snap motion to acquire information. And then, you know, allow some isolation shots because you have good isolation receivers and Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb and guys that can win vertically and can get open. I love to kind of spread them out empty and just giving the quarterback pre-snap answers. That seems like it's the philosophy over the past two years with Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy. This past week, they ran the ball a little more, but that was the Chargers. And who do you have with the Chargers? Brandon Staley. What do you get with Brandon Staley? Two deep, first and 10, almost every time saying, we dare you to run it. We're going to play with even numbers in the box and pick your poison. And the Cowboys said, let's run it. And they broke off a big run early to Tony Pollard, and that probably gave them some more confidence to keep running that ball. Uh, so I think uh, week one is a little bit more of what we'll get. But, you know, if the Eagles want to sit back in too deep, you may see the Cowboys run the ball. But Jonathan Gannon shown he'll go single high two and play cover three. He'll play too deep as well. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see uh, what defensive looks present to the offense and really kind of force their hand. What do you make of this run game? And obviously so much talked about with Tony Pollard versus Ezekiel Elliott and where they are at this stage of both their careers. Uh, how do you feel like this will shake out over the next four game, four weeks, eight weeks, moving forward into 2022 and beyond? Yeah, that's a really good question. I don't think it's any secret that, you know, Pollard looks more explosive, a little quick-footed. Zeke's, you know, probably 5'10", too heavy, you know, more of the bruiser power back. Uh, just hasn't been as quick-footed to get out of some backfield trash. and um, But they're not committing to the run game for the most part in Dallas. So I don't know, you know, with Zeke's contract and the emphasis you put on him and the offensive line, um, if you have a bit of a crossroads philosophically and, you know, considering they paid Dak and some of the receivers, I think they really need to have a – you know, a heart-to-heart and figure out what the future of this backfield is going to be, what the future of the offensive identity is going to be. Uh, Because if this is a Dak-built, West Coast-based offense, it's not going to be as much emphasis on that running back position. So, you know, maybe keep cycling through rookies and young guys is a more appropriate roster move than going with a high-dollar running back in Zeke Elliott. And then looking at the defense, we talked about it with Greg earlier this week, and just raved about you know what he has seen from them through two games obviously the the results haven't always been great when you look at the last two weeks but when you look at just the identity of the group and the vibe we get watching them on film 
some new names, and it's a fast, aggressive unit. Uh, they're going to play a lot of man coverage. It's got, it's almost like the opposite of what we're talking about with, with the Eagles, where, uh, look, we're going to line up. We're going to do all these different things from a pressure standpoint. We're going to uh, play a lot of single high. We're going to play a lot of man. And maybe we can make some big plays. And right now they lead the NFL in turnovers. Um, they, you know, they've got six so far. But I think when you look at, at the identities of these two teams, I think that's kind of interesting just to, the, to juxtapose them together. Yeah, you know, Dan Quinn coming from Atlanta and that Legion of Boom defense we had talked about in Seattle. But he's really playing a lot less single high than they all traditionally have. You know, single high is actually only 21st in the NFL through two weeks. So Dallas is playing a lot more too deep, but talking about that new blood of the defense, and it's all down the middle, Fran. Safeties, J. Ron Kurz and Demonte Kizzee, you know, giving a lot of life. Kizzee coming over from Atlanta, familiar with, you know, uh, Dan Quinn. Keanu Neal at linebacker, also familiar with Dan Quinn coming from Atlanta. We talk, we'll talk about Micah Parsons, his linebacker defensive end, hybrid role. Th- Third-round pick, Oso Digizua. I don't remember uh, – upfield three tech pass rushing threat in Dallas like this in 10, 15 years. So there's a lot of new life and it seems like it's all right down the middle of the defense. And it's no secret. They were historically bad defensively last year. We had to make some changes and they made some drastic changes and there might even be some more changes coming, you know, with guys like Chauncey Golson, you know, who really wasn't available in camp, but was a mid round pick from Iowa who has some uh, pass rush ability from a three tech spot as well. And, I'm really excited to see them, you know, uh, improve at some certain spots because I want Dallas to be as good as they can be and beat them at their best. You know, so anytime they have a defense like they did last year, I want them to fix it. I want them to put out some quality players and be a quality unit and beat the quality teams in this league. Uh, Talking through matchups, and it was interesting kind of doing this in Eagles game plan, you and I talking through it. Uh, I think one interesting one, and people will be very fast when you're talking about wide receivers versus corners. And oh, well, who are the Eagles? How are the Eagles going to treat CD Lamb? Are they going to put Darius Slay on him? The Eagles have shown through two games that's not necessarily the way they're going to approach it. It doesn't mean that they won't do it on Monday night, but to me, I just look at it. Look, this is a, a an offense here with the with the Dallas Cowboys that their big plays a lot of them come from yards after catch. It's very similar to the one we talked about last week with San Francisco. They just do it much differently. Um, but it's about getting the ball to CeeDee Lamb, getting the ball to Amari Cooper, getting the ball to Tony Pollard, you, you know, insert the playmakers, let them create after the catch. And so for me, if Amari Cooper can't go, which as of this recording, early Wednesday afternoon, they're unsure, they're hopeful. You know, it's a lot of those, uh, they're kind of couching it right now. We just don't know what his status will be. It's about getting those guys to the ground. And, and so from a cornerback standpoint, whether it's Steven Nelson or Avante Maddox or Darius Slay, you go to the safety spot as well, all those DBs, you got to tackle the catch. You cannot let these guys get those extra yards uh, after the reception. That's going to be big here in this one. That's just a matchup I'll keep an eye out for. Well, that's what we talked about. You know, when we studied Jonathan Gann's defense coming from Indianapolis, being disciplined, and that means no dumb penalties, making the tackles when you're there, never missing tackles, being assignment sound, and taking advantage of the opportunities when they present themselves. And right now, I think they have some of those covered. You just want to see the more you know, capitalizing on the opportunities and cut down on some of those missed tackles. And I think they'll be tested much more uh, this week with some of these Dallas weapons like Pollard and C.D. Lamb. And I mean, C.D. Lamb, some of the phone boots he got out of Oklahoma, you know, he could be really dangerous. But I'm going to go back to this Dallas O-line against Philly D-line. And I feel like we talk about Zach Martin and Fletcher Cox ad nauseum over the years. 
but Josh Sweat and Derek Barnett, I mean, it's they, it's step up time with Brandon Graham on the shelf. And I know Josh Sweat, you know, is given the deal and I want to see him kind of one on one mano a mano against Tyron Smith. You know, Derek Barnett's had a, you know, a little bit of success against Smith as well with his uh, snap jumping and just being quick footed and Terrence Steele looked pretty good at right tackle. So I don't think because they don't have Lyle Collins that the backup is some slouch. So I really want to see this whole Eagles D-line against the Dallas offensive line. And their Dallas O-line's getting healthier, some more stability. They've had so many moving parts over the years. I know I just mentioned Lyle wasn't there last week. Terrence Steele's in there. But getting Zach Martin back and Connor Williams back at left guard, Tyron Smith's healthy. They're getting back to that full four. So still figuring out the center spot with Beadish and obviously Terrence Steele at right tackle. But last week they looked pretty good. Yeah, it's a, uh, a really good offensive line there in Dallas when they're at full bore. Uh, and certainly with Tyron Smith looking more like himself, uh, that certainly helped raise the entire unit, right? So uh, that is certainly big for that group. All right, let's uh, talk through one more Dallas Cowboy here. We're going to do it in our next segment. It's time to talk Micah Parsons and scouting report. All right, Ben, let's go through some of our notes here on the rookie linebackers slash defensive end, uh, Micah Parsons, uh, coming out of Penn State. And you know, he was viewed very early on as this is going to be a guy that's going to be a top 10, top five pick, uh, ends up opting out, was one of the first opt outs, if I remember, from last year back in 2020, opted out uh, in August. So we only got one year of him as a starter, and it was in the 2019 season. So uh, if you can, let's go through some of your notes here uh, on what you saw from him when you evaluated Parsons on film. Yeah, so this was a uh, oversized, long limb, explosive linebacker with extremely sharp and explosive explosive movement patterns in all directions, whether it was laterally, sideline to sideline, getting downhill, even in reverse. Uh, he had the ability to play through contact, like literally through players, or off contact. He had a really good job of dipping around blocks as well so he can win and uh, get production in a variety of ways. His ability to trigger so fast downhill and change directions on the fly is what makes him really special. And I mean, go watch his sack last week against Justin Herbert. It was a bit of a late in a down play, but you saw the pursuit, explosive pursuit and changing directions explosively while in pursuit. He is a freak mover. He is a freak athlete. You just need to really figure out what you want to do with him. And I think Penn State thought, let's put him on the second level, be a tackling machine. He was the number one defensive end coming out of high school. You could watch him in that summer before Penn State going up against you know, Jedrick Wills and Cam Robinson and Alex Leatherwood and Walker Little, all the top tackles coming out of high school, he smoked them all. So now that they have some injuries at defensive end with Demarcus Lawrence, he's going to go back to that defensive end role, which he did do on third down quite often at Penn State. So this is not a new craft for him. He has the size, the speed, the instincts, the movement patterns. Fran, I trust him pretty much anywhere on the football field. You want to play him at corner, I'll say, you know, go try it, and we'll, we'll see where it goes. He was an awesome running back as well. He could probably play running back in this league if he really wanted to. Yeah, I mean, um, people compared him to Saquon, like, in terms of, like, his athleticism and his physicality. Like, I, I think built. him and Saquon joke about that if Micah could have uh, – he could have beaten all Saquon's records yeah. and he was a better running back than him. Go watch his uh, high school highlights. They're out there. Really impressive. But, you know, this past week at defensive end, what would you see? Speed moves, inside moves, spin moves pursuit, sideline to sideline plays. He is a really fun player to watch. And I think the thing too, is when you talk about like versatility, it's 
I mean, this guy's got all of the physical and athletic potential to do pretty much anything. You talk about he just steps in at a moment's notice. He comes down and he can play defensive end. Uh, was he defeating blocks and like getting off from that standpoint against offensive tackles? No, but the guy like you honestly, I think I did. I say it on the on the podcast or just offline. Like he could have played that game with his hands basically behind his back, and he would still have had uh, maybe not eight pressures, but I bet you would have had like five or six. Like he's just so quick and so sudden, and his change of direction is so like blink of an eye he's gone um just really really impressive from a physical standpoint i think the big thing will he will this be the case for him moving forward will he always just be a full-time defensive end or as they start getting some not demarcus lawrence because he's not he's gonna be out for a few weeks but will it be you know as you get randy gregory back on the rotation as some of these other guys start to get healthy you mentioned chauncey golson right as, as some of these other guys start to get healthy Will we see more reps of him uh, playing in space? Will we use uh, playing up at the second level? Because, look, you watched week one when everybody was healthy. He's playing as an off-ball backer. He was a starter in nickel. But then when they, it got to be third down in some of their rush packages, now he's come up, he's mugged up in the line of scrimmage, or he's putting his hand out, uh, hand in the dirt and lining up off the edge. He's got the ability to put his, uh, you know, to come up and press tight ends and, and match those guys in man-to-man coverage or drop in zone. I mean, all the different things he can do to make an impact uh, I think that kind of speaks to his value, but a really impressive physical uh, prospect. Uh, look, I mean, this is going to be a guy that the Eagles are going to have to deal with for a long time. You know, some things we've already seen beating tackles one-on-one stunts. He's just such a good athlete and can change directions. He's a blitzer. He's going to overwhelm running backs. If he's playing a mobile quarterback, he might be on third down QB spot and just mirror a quarterback left and right and say, once you want to run, I'm going to mirror you and try to have a foot race to the alley, which is tons of those quarterbacks in the league this year. There's so many different things you can do with this guy, whether it's, you know, you just mug him in the A-gap and just let him rush against bigger offensive linemen too. Uh, He's a tough guy. He's relentless. He plays so hard. It's really fun, and I'm excited to kind of study him and have him in in this division uh, for, you know, uh, the foreseeable future. I remember the first time we talked about him on the Journey of the Draft podcast, Ross Tucker bought him up. Uh, I think it was in the middle of his freshman season or early in the freshman year. Like maybe it was after like week one, week two. And he compared him back then when he was 18 years old to a guy that Ross played with in the NFL, uh, who was the second overall pick in the draft, LeVar Arrington. And I love that comp. Like when you talk about Arrington, I mean, what he was from a physical standpoint, and he was a guy that maybe when Arrington, uh, when Arrington, if Arrington came in the league now, Maybe he came, comes in as a defensive end, and he's not a not an off ball backer. Like uh, that might be uh, the the future for for Michael Parsons. But it's just something, a, something that makes me feel safe about Penn State linebackers. You know, right. Lamar Arrington and Dan Connor even back a little bit, and Poslesny, Poslesny, and Matt Millen back in the days. It just you know you find a, a good Penn State linebacker, you're just gonna fit in. And I'm, I'm excited for Parsons to also come back to Pennsylvania and play at the link. You know, with uh, his old buddy Miles Sanders on the other side here. Obviously, these Eagles fans. There's a lot of Penn State fans too. Be a little bit of conflict there uh, in some households. Yeah, no question. Well, uh, Parsons going to be a lot of fun to watch. Ben, uh, we will keep breaking all of these players down, not just here with the Eagles, but also at the college ranks. Make sure you all go subscribe to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Ben, we will talk to you next week. 
Well, great stuff from Ben, who you can follow on Twitter, just like I do, at Ben Fennel underscore NFL. And while you're at it, I'm at Eagles XOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's Nose content that we produce here with Eagles Entertainment. You know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on all forms of social media. That is one way to support the show. But the best way is to go on to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, leave us a rating or leave us a comment. Thanks to everybody that has gone on and thrown us your support. That is the best way to give us a little bit of a boost, to help us make this podcast more readily available for others who are looking for Eagles podcasts. So if you've got just 30 seconds, you can jump on, leave us that five-star rating. You can move on with your day. And if you've got a question, we'll answer it here on an upcoming show. That said, let's wrap this episode up with Faux Focus and Dave Hellman. What's this matchup look like from the other side? It's time to find out in Faux Focus. All right, well, let's get things rolling here with Faux Focus. As I welcome in Dave Hellman from DallasCowboys.com. He is a staff writer down in Big D. You can follow him on Twitter at HellmanDC. Dave, thanks so much for joining us, man. Thrilled to be here, my guy. Let's get to it. All right, well, let's get into this because uh, obviously a huge matchup here on Monday night, Eagles-Cowboys, Monday night football. I want you to put your coaching hat on here. Uh, Pretend you are Kellen Moore. You're the offensive coordinator. What gives you confidence to come away from with a victory here in this matchup against the Eagles. Uh, what what gives the Cowboys offense so much juice coming into this game? I mean, it, it, it I think it all starts with Dak Prescott at this point. And, uh, you know, I, I cover the Cowboys. I'm close to it. Uh, and I, I, I kind of, I think about that a lot. Um, does the rest of the league realize the leap that Dak Prescott has made and is in the process of making? Because I still think, a lot of people think of him as that game manager guy um, from 2016 and, and even up until maybe 2018. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just not the case anymore. And if you've watched the Cowboys first two games, this offense runs through him and, and he has shown that he can shoulder that load and, and do whatever is asked of him, make the throws he needs to throw, keep the offense on schedule. Um, all of the things that you ask an elite quarterback to do, he's capable of them. So if I'm, if I'm the Cowboys, I look at this and say, um, there are very few defenses in this league that we think can slow down our quarterback and he's going to give us the best chance of success in the vast majority of games that we play. And I'm so glad that you brought this up because it's a topic that we talk about all the time here on the show, just because it's one of the most important topics in football. And that's the development of young quarterbacks. And I think that Dak is such an interesting case study, obviously a day three pick coming out of Mississippi state. And he has made such great leaps, both mentally and physically. I mean, he's such a more accurate thrower of the football than he was in college, you know, you saw that jump pretty quickly, but they did what they needed to do early, you know, running that offense through Zeke, running it through the run game. And now you've got it to the point where now you sprinkle in a couple of weapons, you revamp that receiving core, and now you're kind of setting him up for success. If you're playing the way that they are now back in 2017, I don't know that Dak is the same quarterback, right? And I just think that uh, obviously it's always a case by case basis. But it's so cool to see that, you know, the way that they've been able to kind of build him up and now set him up for success moving forward. I really think it's funny because I think he needed Amari Cooper to do it. Uh, if you go back to the first half of the 2018 season, he did not have the receiving firepower. He did not have guys that could get open. You remember that was right after they cut Des Bryant. Michael Gallup was still a rookie. Uh, and they just had a bunch of journeymen filling those roles. Hmm. Um so they trade for Amari Cooper. 
And it just kind of took off from there. And a lot of that was because Amari was so good, but I think it kind of helped Dak grow into that role of like, all right, if I have somebody I can rely on in the passing game, I can do what needs to be done. And from there, we've kind of seen it shift to where this was an offense that needed Zeke Elliott to be successful, uh, to, to see success. And that's just not the case right now. And mm. I, I get it. I, I'm on an Eagles podcast, so I can hear people saying, like, I, listen, I know the guy's got a fantastic receiver core, um, but if, if you watch the throws that he makes and the decisions that he, that he makes, you can see it's, it's more than that. And so I really think it's over the last two and a half years where he's kind of seen it all click for him. Well, honestly, man, we could do an entire podcast just on this topic, probably multiple podcasts, to be honest, uh, on this entire topic. But uh, let's get back into this matchup here. Go to the other side of the football. Put your Dan Quinn hat on. Uh, You're the the Cowboys defense. What gives you confidence going into this game against the Eagles? I I think it's one of the most fascinating topics in the NFL is and, and we're seeing it. You know, we're seeing it with the success of Dak. We're seeing it with the success of Russell Wilson. Um, and, and maybe we're seeing it with Jalen Hurts as well. I think it's, it's probably too early to say for Jalen, but if you get the chance to play, you know, like it's so much of it is just about having the opportunity at the reps, the starter reps in practice, the starter reps at training camp, getting to play in the games. And maybe you're not good enough to be the straw that stirs the drink at first, you know, for Wilson, it was his defense for so long. But over time, it changed to where he was capable of that. We're seeing it with Dak. And, and I think Philadelphia is really fascinating because we could be watching a similar thing where maybe right now it's not ready to be, you know, maybe Jalen Hurts isn't ready to be the star of the show right now. But if he keeps getting these opportunities and showing these flashes that we've all seen, maybe we could be having the same conversation about him in a few years. I mean, an interesting aspect of this is that, I mean, they were always planning on having Parsons be a part of the rush package, right? I mean, you were there every day in training camp. I was trying to follow along from afar as best I could, but it seemed like for sub package downs, he was always going to be a part of the rush package. But now that he has to make that move to DN full time, what does that mean for the linebacking core? I guess that means that, you know, Leighton Vander as Jalen Smith, full time players. What does that mean for the impact of this defense here now going into week three? Areas of confidence are hard to come by with this team um, just because they're a little bit snake bitten by injuries right now. Uh, you know, Demarcus Lawrence broke that charger game. They've had injuries across the defensive line. They lost Neville Gallimore before the season started. Um, they have been surprisingly good at taking the ball away, which is a weird thing to say about the Dallas defense. That has not been a strength of theirs, but they lead the NFL with six right now. Wow. Um, even, even still, what probably gives me confidence is the show that Micah Parsons put on uh, in, in Los Angeles last week. You know, mm. eight, eight pressures and a sack in his first game, really playing as a pass rusher. They basically were like, we know you've been playing Mike linebacker all through training camp, but we need you to play defensive end today. Sorry. And, and he was great at it. Um, granted, he was going up against a backup right tackle. Lane Johnson is a little bit of a different story. Um but that athleticism, I think this could be a fascinating matchup for Micah Parsons to really, again, show why he was drafted so highly. Again, Jalen Hurts, he's a very athletic quarterback. He can kill you if he gets outside of the pocket as a runner and just extending plays. So if I'm Dan Quinn, I want my 6-3 linebacker who runs a 4-3 shadowing Hurts everywhere he goes. I want him spying him. I want him blitzing him. 
Uh, I would just try to use that freak athleticism to negate Hertz's freak athleticism. Going to the other side of the coin here, if you're Mike McCarthy, what is it that's keeping you up at night? What's the biggest concern for your team? And you can go either side of the ball here going into this matchup against the Eagles. What's the what's the biggest worry right now down in Dallas? I think that's it's it's an interesting question, and it's it's what we're going to have to watch because we're kind of in uncharted territory here. Yeah. You know, Demarcus Demarcus Lawrence isn't going to be back until you know, November, probably at the earliest. Uh, and Randy Gregory missed last week with COVID. He should be back, but they're also dealing with some injuries to some of their depth guys. So Micah Parsons is one of their best options to rush the passer, but do you want to move him full time and take away whatever he offers you as an off ball linebacker? I don't, I don't think the Cowboys want to do that. I think they mm. kind of like the idea of him as a Swiss army knife. They want him in coverage. They want him blitzing the quarterback. They also want him rushing the passer. Um, so I'm interested to see what that looks like. And, and this, this second game, cause last, last week, like I said, they didn't have either starter, so they needed him to do that. Mm. The need might be a little bit less against Philadelphia. So maybe we see more of a hybrid role. Maybe he walks down to the edge eight to 10 times and plays back off the ball more often. Uh, but right now, you know, just with the week really getting started, we don't know. And then last one, just looking at a, a pivotal matchup. What's the most important one-on-one -on -one battle for this game on Monday night in your mind? Good question. Uh, my biggest concern, and I, you know, I know I just sang Dak's praises, and and Terrence Steele played well in in place of uh, Lyle Collins last week. And even, you know, I know Brandon Graham is is out for Philly, so that seems advantageous. But at the same time. I've watched enough of these Philly-Dallas games to know that that Philly front can be a handful. You know, going all the way back to 2014 when most of these guys weren't even on their respective rosters, uh, Philly has always found a way to give Dallas fits, both in the running game and getting after the quarterback. Um, so I think my biggest concern would probably just be Philly front, Philly's front to throw what they want to do off schedule, whether that's uh -huh. stopping the run, because it is, I mean, that's still a big part of what Dallas wants to do. They ran for 200 yards against Philly. It's not like that's an afterthought. Um, so if they can plug up the run, get Dak behind the chains, get him behind schedule, or just pressure him uh, much more, you know, that was Dak threw for 400 yards against Tampa Bay, but a lot of that was contested throws, throwing as he's getting hit, dealing with blitzes and stuff like that. Um, and as entertaining a game as it was, they did lose that game. So if you can disrupt what they want to do, make life difficult on him. And like I said, they've, they've got history that shows they can do it. Uh, mm. That would probably be my biggest concern. Yeah, that will certainly be a fun matchup to go back and watch Tuesday morning and certainly keep an eye out on live uh, on Monday night. Dave, thanks so much for joining us here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Uh, make sure you go check out Dave's work over at DallasCowboys.com. A couple of shows to keep an eye out, eye out for, Cowboys break. And then during the offseason, the draft show, always a must listen. You guys know uh, out there how much I love my draft coverage. They do a great job down at DallasCowboys.com with the draft show all offseason long. Dave, thanks so much for joining us again, man. All right, man. Take care. Well, great stuff there from Dave. And again, make sure you go follow him on Twitter at HellmanDC. I mentioned earlier in the show, Eagles game plan. Ben and I talked about the production of that show this week. As always, what I'll try and do, when I shoot the show, we always shoot a little bit heavy. For a 30-minute show, I might shoot eh, 40, 42, 45 minutes worth of content. I'll cut all the best stuff out that didn't make the show, and I'll save it right here for this podcast. So with that said, let's get to some analysis here from John Clark, Mike Quick, Ike Reese, Greg Cosell. We've got it all right here from Eagles Game Plan. 
And when we talk about stopping that running game, obviously Ezekiel Elliott runs a lot in between the tackles, but now you have Tony Pollard. He's got more yards than Ezekiel. How much of a challenge is that for the defense? Because he's more taking it out to the edge, right? I think he's more explosive than Zeke is. You know, Zeke is a guy that's going to run between the tackles. He's very powerful, but I think Tony Pollard adds versatility to this offense that Zeke cannot bring. Tony Pollard catches the ball well out of the backfield, probably a little more than Zeke, but he's so explosive. Zeke's powerful, but this guy can get it from zero to 60 just like that. And when the Eagles were down there in the red zone at the goal line, they didn't have Brandon Brooks for the fourth straight year. He's missing time with an injury. How big of a loss is that, Ike? It's obviously a huge loss. Brandon Brooks, one of the best guards in football when he's healthy. We know the type of tandem that he and Lane Johnson pose for defenders on that side of the football. And it's unfortunate that he's going to be out. But that's exactly part of the reason why the Eagles decided to go out and spend a high draft pick on arguably the best offensive lineman in the draft, or at least one of the top ones in the draft, in Landon Dickerson. And we got a chance to see him play for the first time last week. Mike just broke down the deep pass to Quest Watkins. Well, guess what? That was one of Landon's first. First plays in the game gave up a little pressure there, but I like the fact that he got stout and gave Jalen a little bit of a pocket to release that ball. First game, a little rough around the edges. That's totally expected, but I expect him to come out this week with a little bit more of the reason why they drafted him. That sort of ferocity that he plays with, the anger that he plays with, his athleticism, all those things will be on display. It's a loss not having Brandon Brooks out there, but I'm excited to see what Landon Dickerson uh, holds for the future here. And you're going to light up talking about the Cowboys' defensive line. Obviously, they're without Demarcus Lawrence. But when you see what Micah Parsons did playing DN for the first time since high school, what do they have to watch out for with him? Uh, well, this kid is a freak athlete. We all know that. You watch his combine. You're talking about running a low 4-4, high 4-3-9. That's what Mike Quick ran coming out of college. <laughs> and this is a linebacker. He's able to do it. So I'm not surprised that they were able to move him down, put his hand in the dirt, and let him just get after the pass. So he's probably better off doing that going forward as opposed to backpedaling. But the Eagles are going to have to know where he's at at all times because he's like a rover backer as well. They're going to try to find a weak spot in this offensive line and then run games with Michael Parsons. Yeah, I tell you what, Micah Parsons had the second best win rate at the line of scrimmage for a defensive end in week two. Now, would you like to see the Eagles tight ends get more involved here? They only had two or three catches against the 49ers. So I think in the past, Eagles tight ends have done really well against this Cowboys defense. And I think it's a really good day for Dallas Goddard to really make a big statement in the passing game. I think the tight ends weren't used enough, maybe caught three passes in last week's game. They need to be utilized a little bit more in this game. And again, be sure to go check out Eagles Game Plan. That will go up digitally on Friday across all Eagles channels. So PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app, the Eagles YouTube page, Facebook, across the board. Make sure you go check that out. Or if you live in the Philadelphia area, Sunday morning, 10 a.m. on NBC10, Eagles Game Plan. Make sure you go and check it out. Great stuff this week from Ben Fennell and Dave Hellman, Greg Cosell, earlier this week. Thanks to all of them, and thanks to all of you as well for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it another show in the books here on the eagle eye in the sky podcast fueled by gatorade for everybody here at the novacare complex i am fran duffy we will talk to you next week